Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 139 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional dude of musical things. And I am your friend, and a friend to all, really, Andy Stewart. Good morning, how are you? I'm okay, Mitch, and let me be the first to say it. Happy Valentine's Day. Mitch, will you do me the honour of being my Valentine? Ah, uh, go on then. I uh, go on then. <laughs> I've got to be honest, I expected more from you there. I expected a greater res- response to that. I'm sorry that you had to wade through your enormous pile of cards to get here to record this morning, so that m- maybe my suggestion just isn't quite as exciting as some of the other offers that you've had. Andy, I'd be more inclined to agree if you took me out every once in a while. Took you out? Would that it were so? Would that it were possible? We are in the middle of a global pandemic, Mitch. I would love nothing more than to take you out for a delicious meal. <laughs> excuses, excuses. How are you? I am fine. <laughs> good, good. How's your week been? It's been okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I, I was fine until this. Yeah, but like, just just put, put this unpleasantness out of your mind in the name of professionalism. Okay, then I am largely fine. Good, good. Okay, uh, how's your week been? What have you been up to? Uh, not very much. Were you impressed by uh, how long I managed to stay off social media? <laughs> did you make it to three days? I did. I think I did three days. I think that was it. I topped out there. <laughs> Powerful stuff. Powerful <laughs> stuff. Uh, no, so yeah, welcome, welcome back to the social media sphere um, after an extended break. Um, what are you watching this week? Well, I was lucky enough to be able to see Psycho Gorman finally this week. Ooh, okay, nice. Right, so this is one of the many things that I regretted missing when I couldn't make it to Silent Screams this year. Absolutely. Um, I've been really looking forward to seeing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so talk a little bit about this. Yeah, it's uh, directed by Steve Kostansky, who most people will know as being part of Astron 6 and also the co-director of The Void. Also Special yes. Effects Wizard, by the way, it's worth mentioning. Okay, cool. It feels, I mean, if you've seen any of Astron 6's previous work, or if you've seen The Void, or or maybe more kind of relevant to this, the segment that Steve Kostansky did in ABC's A Death 2, I think. All right, okay, mm-hmm, yeah. You might get a kind of idea of the tone of this and what we're dealing with here. Basically, it's the story of this brother and sister who find this red gem uh, that is... I guess ultimately the kind of power source and means of controlling this kind of this destroyer of worlds type character. He has wreaked havoc across numerous galaxies, destroyed and killed millions of people in the process. He's now found himself on Earth and under the control of these two children. They name him Psycho Gorman, Chaos Reigns. Okay, um, so this sounds like a lot of fun and it looks like a lot of fun, is it? It is fun, but I wasn't as won over with it as I kind of wanted to be. Visually, I think it's it's great. It's an absolute hoot. Like, if you were a fan of the Power Rangers aesthetic, sure, you will absolutely love this because just about every single character that appears on screen feels ripped right out of Power Rangers. Ah, okay. You know what I didn't know until recently about Power Rangers? What's that? 
that all of the kind of robot fighting stuff is from the original Japanese stuff. They just lifted that wholesale and just shot all the uh, character interaction stuff for yeah. the American version. I yeah, had no idea from, that that was how that worked. Super Sentai. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. Welcome to the world, Mitch. Welcome. To, <laughs> you've entered a bright new world where you can look back on your childhood viewing and feel lied to. This is it. Yeah, today I have become a man. <laughs> That's it. Things that I liked, again, I, I love the, the visual of all these creatures. I think Psycho Goreman himself is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the kind of ancillary characters and like these other creatures that kind of pop up like as part of Psycho Goreman's kind of group um, yeah. that, that visit later in the game are really great. The kids, not as sold on. The, the little kid Mimi, she's kind of like the the main kid who's responsible for controlling what Psycho Goreman does. I found her, and I know she's supposed to be, but I found her so irritating that it right. made it difficult for me to root for her in any way, shape, or form. I see, that's a problem. Ultimately, the brother's supposed to be the kind of conscience out of the two of them, but mm-hmm. this one kid, this girl, she, fucking hell, man, she was hard work. On a bright, another brighter note, though, Adam Brooks is in here playing their dad, and he he's just brilliant again. I, I, more and more, the more I see Adam Brooks in things, the more I'm convinced he's a quiet, underrated comedy genius who should be in more things. Yeah, he never really does let you down, does he? No, I think he's brilliant, no. and he doesn't have a massive amount to do in this, but when he's on screen, he just totally steals every scene that he's in. You know, I didn't mention it um, on the show because we talked about it so much already, but I actually rewatched the editor just the other week there. Oh, I mm-hmm. um, And got a lot out of it and revisit it. I think the first time I watched it was with you, um, and he's, ab- he's absolutely the star of that, for yeah. sure. Yeah, honestly, he, he steals every single scene that he's in. But yeah, it's generally pretty fun. There was a few things about it that annoyed me. I felt that the script felt a little bit light and wishy-washy. Um, okay. I, I feel like the idea is really solid, but I don't know if it necessarily makes it all the way across the line. That said, I have already pre-ordered the Hunky Boy edition from Raven Banner. <laughs> So uh, I, I think that um, a former guest of ours, Justin McConnell, had a big hand in the extras on that. I think he probably did, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay, so a kind of like a qualified recommendation for Psycho Gorman. Then. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a hoot. It's funny when it needs to be, that goes good, goes fun. But I don't know, they're just, there's just a tiny something missing from it that I, I don't know. Okay. Anything else? Uh, yeah, one other thing, but I'll let you do your thing first. Okay, so I have a couple mixed bag this week. Oh, okay. Fun. So, um, first off, I did my now almost traditional festival blind spot. Right, and what was it this week? Well, it was Two Heads Creek. Oh, now, did this play Glasgow Fright Fest or something, or or the main Fright Fest? This played the digital Fright Fest that happened in August. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, I missed this at the time, I think potentially because of... It was either because of recording commitments for this... Or because me and Mitch Hyde were making dinner for everybody. <laughs> right, it was sure. one of those two things. But either way, I missed Jesse O'Brien's Two Heads Creek at Fright Fest. Although people did seem to really like it. Okay. Um, so what you have with this, and this is on Amazon Prime now if anybody wants to go check it out. And I think it's out through Signature. But if anybody wants to check this out, what you have here is this brother and sister in England who kind of post-Brexit are a bit fed up of things and right. leave and go to Australia to try and find their birth mother, which takes them to this weird little town where uh, the villagers are hiding a deadly secret. Ooh. Now, so this is a comedy horror thing, and a lot, of, like I say, a lot of people really like this. I uh, couldn't get on board with it at all. I just couldn't find a road in, okay. try as I might. This was like um, a kind of midweek, nine o'clock, 
what can I shove on right now? Oh, everyone said this was good kind of thing for me. So it was kind of annoying that I didn't kind of get it. But it was clash of humour and it's the kinds of things that I find really funny and stuff that I really struggle with, which was Antipodean dry humour versus stuffy Britishness, which is a big yes versus a big no for me. Um, As a result, I think that like, I don't really feel like either gets the room to breathe. I don't think that they coexist particularly comfortably. There's some fun kind of like, gore and some fun effects and stuff in this but beyond that i kind of struggled with it but i am very much in the minority so if anybody wants to go check out two heads creek that is available now okay also as of friday this is out in the world i rented it on amazon again uh kevin lewis's willie's wonderland oh shit yeah oh with nicholas cage with nicholas cage so <laughs> what you have here is uh nicholas cage's character his car breaks down at the side of the road at the start of the film uh-huh. and he doesn't have money to pay for repairs right so he strikes a deal with this guy and he's basically like if you're willing to work we can repair your truck or car or whatever um but his job is to go and clean this fairground uh-huh. through the night nicholas cage does not speak a single line of dialogue in this film what he has, does not say a single thing so he starts uh he starts cleaning it and obviously very soon becomes apparent that things are not what they seem namely that the uh animatronic and robotic attractions periodically spring to life and try to kill him kind of like banana splits uh yes i would say kind of tonally similar to that i'm told anyway i haven't seen the banana splits movie actually but right. like um but I've, a lot of people are making that comparison Nicolas Cage fighting giant robot fairground attractions is precisely as fun as it sounds. That's great. I think that, and this isn't a criticism, it's just like kind of it not falling in line with my expectations. It's interesting that the film doesn't necessarily concern itself massively with having a ton of fun in the spaces between those things. Like there's there's parts of it that are um, probably a little bit more serious face than people will expect. Right. But these kind of like, <laughs> like bloody standoffs with these giant things um are kind of dotted in frequently enough that it never kind of it never slows down the momentum never really sags it's only 88 minutes yeah this is this is really fun like it's it's a little bit one trick in as much as you know like the the robots say Mm -hmm. stupid things about like tearing your fucking face off and all this kind of thing they're not it's like oh they're not supposed to do that now nicholas cage has to fight them is the joke right and they get a lot of mileage out of that joke this is fun. I, I You can rent it for like five ninety nine on Amazon just now. You can also rent it, I believe, through some cinemas. So right. um, I think you can do it for, for like the showroom uh, in Sheffield and stuff like that. Okay. So if you want to support cinemas as well as checking this out, you can also do that. Has it ever addressed why he doesn't speak? No. Just doesn't speak. I mean, like to be fair, a lot of the time he is just cutting about in the building on his own. Right. But yeah, to begin with, I think it's just, he's just supposed to be the strong, silent type. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, after that, it's kind of by necessity up to a point. But yeah, this is good. This is like this is quite fun. Like I say, if you're expecting something that's going to be like an absolute laugh a minute, then you might be disappointed. But um, there's enough laughs and enough fun stuff visually in there for this to definitely more than get by. I thought it was pretty fun. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Interesting choice. Yeah. Like um, I think that I kind of I, I came across it by accident. I think that it was some. It was either I think Anton Patel or Joey Keo tweeted something about it coming out right on on friday and i just been like oh i'd forgotten this was coming i will just watch this immediately cool cool cool, cool. uh and i just uh, so yeah so so yeah willie's wonderland it's out there uh, on all the usual platforms so go check that out so yeah nature's gone wild i kind of started watching by accident again then i realized it kind of fell into this bracket so i thought i would just quickly mention it i don't know why i decided to do this but i started re-watching at burning bright Oh, the tiger thing. Yeah, the one where Brianna Evigan's getting chased by a tiger and Garrett Dillahunt's in it as well. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen this. Yeah, it's it's not great. Uh, not great, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. However, what I did watch uh-huh. that does bear a bit more mentioning 
as I went away back to 1977, Mitch, if you can imagine the time. Oofed. Yeah, okay. Ten years before you were even born. Yeah, I think that was the year my parents got married. Oh, well, there you go. Because I watched The Day of the Animals. The Day of the Animals. Yeah, The Day of the Animals, yeah. Okay, so it sounds like uh, nature's going wild in myriad ways in this one. It is, yeah. Now, this this film has a very clear message from the opening crawl, which tells us that CFCs coming from aerosol cans are bad. They are depleting the ozone layer. I get the timeless message now, Mitch, because that is indeed that's something that we now know to be fact. I don't want any of you mm-hmm. climate deniers out of there coming at me there, but that is fact. <laughs> okay. Right? So our opening crawl illustrates that beautifully, tells us that this is bad and the animals aren't going to take this lion down. <laughs> okay, great. Good, so good, good. Christopher George, who has been in a bunch of terrible films over the years, some of which we've covered on the show, is joined by Richard Jekyll from Baywatch. And Leslie Nielsen. Ah, okay. So is this like a horror comedy thing, or is he playing it straighter than usual? He's playing it straighter than usual. He's playing like... he Ultimately, he's kind of the villainous character, the same way that he is in like Creepshow. Right, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a, a kind of similar level of evil, <laughs> I think it's safe to say. <laughs> but I had an absolute blast with this. Like, I rented it on YouTube. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's really great. Like these, um, these hikers all go out into the middle of nowhere with this guide. And just about every animal that they encounter along the way either gives them the stink eye or tries to kill them. And if you ever wanted to see Leslie Nielsen fighting a bear, this film's got you covered. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, it's like it's, it's not something I knew that I needed, but now you've said it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed this far, far more than I enjoyed Burning Bright, which I'd seen previously anyway and kind of forgot that I was ambivalent to it. See, in, Burn- in Burning Bright, does the tiger go in the house? Yes. Yes, aha, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen trailers before, but I've never seen it. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not great. Nothing to write home okay. about at all. But it sounds like a reasonably successful outing on the Nature's Gone Wild side this week. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I went to Day of the Animals. Yeah, I think it, 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 it sounds like that was a good recovery. Yeah. Um, so. Feedback time then. Big hello to everybody who's been getting in touch, specifically about the happening this week. And our episode on Friday, a big thank you to Rosie Fletcher at Dena Geek for joining us for that one. Dan Popomatic got in touch on this one, surprised by how much I enjoyed the happening in a this is unintentional, hilarious sort of way. Mm-hmm. If it had come out in 1985, had a synth score, loads of practical good effects, and Linnea Quigley in it, then it would probably be one of my favourite films. <laughs> See, that's what I was talking about on the episode. I don't think it leans into B movie enough for it to feel like an authentic claim. Yeah, I agree, I agree. But yeah, I think I think fair point, though, there from Dan. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dan, for getting in touch. Uh, Shakes at the Shakes 72 getting in touch to say, one of those episodes where you're going to have to watch again, but with this new perspective and pistakery. I'm really interested in The Shape of Hot Dogs, too. Mm, well, yeah, he's not alone in that one. There really is no question about The Shape of Hot Dogs. Like you're not, You know, like, if you go to McDonald's and you get, like, a, a sausage and egg McMuffin, you're getting a little kind of round sausage patty. Yeah. <laughs> no one's out there serving hot dog meat in the round format. No, very much a, very much a kind of a classic design. Yeah, the classic uh, rolled to length. I, I was going to say penis shape, but that felt like low-hanging fruit. That's true. <laughs> Thank God you avoided that and didn't mention it at all. Um, A couple of people getting in touch. James Rodriguez, can't wait for this episode. Mark Wahlberg trying to outrun the wind is hilarious to watch. Um, Our old pal Lucy as well. Uh, Lucy goes to Hollywood blog on Twitter. Uh, OMG, this film is absolutely hilarious. I can't wait. And also big shout out to Ghouls Magazine. 
Ah, yes, of course. Uh, again, it's that saying, can't wait for this. Rosie is awesome. But also, yeah, big shout out to Ghouls Magazine on Twitter. Go check them out. Some of our good pals involved in that. Yeah, um, and it was obviously one of those top secret projects that Zobo couldn't talk about at the top of the year. She kept it quiet because I've, I've spoke to her sporadically since. Ah, good for her, kind of preserving the mystery until... Because uh, I, I am not good at that kind of thing. I can't keep my mouth shut when exciting things are happening. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you got anything else in the happening? Uh, I do have some stuff in the happening here. Andre Martins at Callahan got in touch to say, What? No. Honestly love this dumpster fire of a movie to death. Most entertaining thing Shyamalan's ever made. Wow, okay. I mean, I don't think I agree, but I mean, now I'm thinking about it, it's like, maybe? <laughs> Like the like divorcing myself completely from artistic intention and just going purely for entertainment value, like maybe, possibly, maybe, I don't yeah. know. Could be. Uh Catherine Mazer also I haven't watched the happening in Donkey's Years, but I remember liking it because Revenge of the Plants, that's cool. I think I also enjoyed the absurdly awkward casting as well, and it did scare me for real. Hearing you describe the sequences again does give me a new respect for its strength, so guess that it's back to the long to view list. Now, Catherine, if you do get around to checking that out, I'd be very curious to know how it holds up. And you know what, there was a word used there in what Catherine was saying that we never really mentioned, but I think it's probably the most important word when you're talking about the happening, and it's awkward. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, it's actually like a really good way of describing a lot of the things that are weird and wrong about the film. Yeah, awkward relationships, awkward set pieces, awkward performance. Yeah, awkward casting, awkward dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. perfectly awkward film. Yeah. You all done with the happening? One more thing I've got here coming in from our old pal Neil at Horror of Dracula saying, This is the mother load. The <laughs> film we have been waiting for. I firmly believe this is a deliberate comic masterpiece. Okay, that's a hot take. Um, I hope that the episode didn't lie down, Neil. That is a steaming hot take. <laughs> a steaming hot pile of take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for getting in touch Neil also want to say hello to Barry Delgarno got in touch on a couple of different formats this week to acknowledge the fact that uh, we have a growing YouTube presence and that is largely down to in fact entirely down to uh, your own hard work this week in the background Andy yeah we were advised that perhaps it might be a good idea to upload some of the old episodes to YouTube now I am in the process of slowly doing that because it is an unforgiving mercilessly slow process I'm only putting on the kind of main episodes minisodes you, you know where to find them, they're all over the place. But uh, yeah, so I'm slowly chipping my way through all 137 main episodes to uh, to get them on there. So yeah, I, I respect your process on that one. I'll get there, I'll get there in the end. Surely, of course, of course. I just have the one more thing, so I, I'll get through this one, then you can bring it home. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, Salted Popcorn on uh, Twitter with some mixed thoughts, miscellaneous thoughts. Mm-hmm. Strongville and PC tangents for today. Enjoyed the mini-sode. You're destined to have Barbara Crampton on as a guest. Certainly hope that's true. Yeah, that would be nice. Also got in touch to let us know that he'd watched, is it Mako or Mako, The Jaws of Death? Mako. Mako, The Jaws of Death, then he'd uh, check that out. And also Possessor as well. Um, So he said, not sure how I feel about certain parts of Possessor. Middle section was a bit off, but the overall result was great. And some of the shocks were jaw-dropping. Andy, you have two different copies of that in your house now, don't you? Yeah, I have the American 4K Blu-ray and I have the UK signature release that just came out last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't lying when I said it was my favourite film from last year. No, no, no. And you take these things seriously. I do. Fucking right, I do. I'm tapped out on feedback, so if you have anything else, then by all means, see us home. A couple of other things. Uh, Paul Downey at Bloody Flicks. Uh, by the way, Paul, thank you very much for taking a look at Dysmorphia and reviewing it. It's nice that people will still give a, f- a short film that's almost 10 years old some air time. Yep, good lad. Uh, but Paul got in touch to say, of course, Strong Violent PC have an episode on Jaws the Revenge. 
<laughs> Why the <laughs> hell of... wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? Indeed, courtesy of our old pal AJ Bowen. Yes, yeah, great episode. Love it. Uh, pretty early doors, but it's well worth a re-listen if you've not heard it yet. It'll probably be on YouTube at some point, but it's everywhere else in the meantime. It'll probably be on YouTube in about two weeks at the rate I'm going. Lastly, Bill Carr. You might want to steal yourself for this much because it's something of a veiled <laughs> attack on your tastes. I know what this is and I don't think it's veiled at all. <laughs> accidentally watched what could be my least favourite double bill of all time last night, thanks to Strong Violent PC. But now I can listen to two more episodes so I don't regret a thing. Firstly, thank you for the imminent downloads. And secondly, the two films that Bill watched, he's, he's, he's posted his letterboxed reviews here, uh, are Knock Knock, yes, mm-hmm. which was given an extremely generous one star. Hey, it's, more, it's worth more than that. And Body. Uh, oh, body's great. So well, obviously, I take exception to this because <laughs> they're both uh, Mitch selections and Andy versus Mitch episodes. In, in case you're interested, Mitch, Bill thought that body was only good enough to merit a half star. I think that's outrageous, personally. <laughs> um, but no, Bill, thanks for getting in touch. Uh, hope you enjoyed the episodes more than the films. I've got to say that 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 does make me feel quite happy. I, Genuinely, I feel like perhaps my only misstep in my choices to date has maybe been body melt. Yeah, and I kind of feel like you sort of knew what you were doing with that one. Uh, yeah, I was under no illusions that it wasn't going to be for everyone. Absolutely not. No, no, no. Mm. Um, but yeah, I would say that like mine are generally a little bit more erratic in nature than yours. I think that's safe to say. <laughs> Is that you for feedback? Nothing else. All right, then. It's just pictures! It is once again time then for Mitch's Pitches. So Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and left only the image. It will be up to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and to also give it a title and a synopsis based on the image alone. We will then, of course, share it to our social media channels so you guys can join in as well, which a lot of you did this week. We Mm -hmm. had the skull. We did have the skull, yes. Uh, reappropriated by me as uh, Goods Returned, The Crisp Touch of Death. Sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that. Okay. So, um, fair few people getting in touch then. Uh, Catherine Mazer on Facebook. Recently deceased designer Lodley Groans is simply disgusted by the direction his resort line has taken under his successors, Tacky Beach and Fake Hair. Unbeknownst to them, he had a portrait in his basement which failed to extend his life completely but did animate his fierce-ass skull. Groan's campaign of revenge for style crimes works all the props, and yes, he owns it. In a final statement on his passion for fashion, his skull releases a glorious emission of divine light, birthing his final collection, Spunk Street. Don't miss, the, <laughs> don't miss this cutting crep revenge flick that defined last season. Lordly grown skull, rolling eyeballs. <laughs> Kevin Matthews then, years after he achieved fleeting success advertising a popular model of toothbrush with his flip-top head, Philip Tophead struggles to find a role in life that needs someone with his crazy cranium capabilities. Desperate for anything like his former fame, Philip goes to increasingly desperate lengths, resulting in an unfortunate accidental death. But death won't stop Philip from flipping out, and soon he becomes the strangest zombie the horror genre has ever seen in 2001's Night of the Living Flip Top-Headed Philip Tophead. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Lauren, Lauren McIntyre, it's been 20 years since Bernie Lomax was murdered and then his corpse revived in a voodoo ceremony. Yes. yes. 
After the inquest into his death is reopened and his body exhumed, Berry's disarticulated skeletal remains go walk about. His bony body parts relentlessly pursue hapless ex-employees Larry and Richard in revenge for them stealing his money and millionaire playboy lifestyle all those years ago. It's 2013's surprising sequel, Weekend of Bernie's 3. Excellent. Do you know what I really like? And it's something I've done myself in previous pitches, but I really like when someone adds on to an existing franchise. Yes, I think that that's quite good, isn't it? Yeah, like um, I'm quite impressed with that as well. Uh, Mark Davies, Hamlet 2, Yorick's back and he's pissed off. Ooh. <laughs> Stephen Wales, upon the untimely cancellation of his hit TV show, one of the stars decides to take his bloody revenge on the backstabbing writers and executives he blames for the show's demise. It's 1991's Don't Open That Trap Door, Boney's Revenge. Oh, right, okay. Um, James Plum, 1973's Wheel of Gortune. <laughs> I would watch that. I uh, I like that very much. Uh, James Rodriguez, at an archaeology site, Dr. Phineas T. Bones finds a mysterious box. Inside it, he finds a mystical skull which can talk, calling itself Barry. Barry agrees to talk about the mysteries of the afterlife in exchange for Phineas taking them on a wild night out in Vegas. Their plans for gambling and excessive drinking are thrown amok by Barry's need to get laid as he chats up the mysterious Mary in a bar. After initially frightening her, they end up back at hers and discover the corpse of Mary's ex in a bathtub of sewage, who died in a freak plumbing accident. The ex is brother to mob boss Andy Andrex, who uses his victim's skins to wipe his arse. <laughs> what else? Intent on avenging his brother, the murderous mob boss chases after Mary, Barry and Phineas, leading to accidents with panes of glass, a barroom brawl with Mayan artefacts, <laughs> and a cameo from Keith Richards. Can the group escape unharmed? Don't miss 1968's hilarious comedy, Skullfuck. Right, okay. Lovely. Cosmic Ray Girl, 1965's Sherlock Bones and the Mystery of Bang Her. Right. <laughs> uh, Hanny Ray, after entrapping the spirit of Mictal Tuchtali. <laughs> Mictlan Tuch- <laughs> Wait, hang on. Stick to the I first one, Mitch, for fuck's sake. Just go with it, go with it. Uh, Own it. After entrapping, after, after entrapping the spirit of Mictlantic Cutley, Aztec God of the Dead, it <laughs> went so much better on the second try, didn't it? A misguided professor attempts to appease the underworld ruler by offering his wife as a blood sacrifice while he finishes his research. But this only serves to incur the skull-faced god's wrath more. It's 1959's from Mictlan with Love. I cannot believe that you're not better by... After the amount of Aztec gods that we've had mentioned in, in Mitch's pitch submissions, I am amazed that you are not more fluent in Az- ancient Aztec. Yeah, it's quite bad really, isn't it? Um, Canel on Twitter then, evil tap dancing optometrist read the lowest line. <laughs> <laughs> Takes to murdering his patients in a sick bid to marry his two interests in 1974's Dancing on Eyes. <laughs> Gorehound as well, join us for an anthology of horror from your favourite head of the macabre. But the truth is out there in 1974's The Hex Files, Murder and Scully. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. There were loads there uh, this week, so I'm going to draw the line there. Right, okay. I am going to give the best character name to Hannah Ray. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm not saying it again, but okay, fine. <laughs> it was only because you struggled with it so much and it tickled me so deeply. Okay, that's fair. And best pitch to Canel uh, for Dancing Perfect. Your Eyes. Okay, so Hannah and Canel, the yeah. winners of nothing this week. Congratulations. Yeah. So, so Andy. Mm. Special Valentine's Treat. How would you feel about doing a pitch this week? <laughs> I'm going to say it's up there with some of the worst Valentine's treats that I've had. But yeah, of course I'll do the pitch. Of course I will. I've never been one to, okay, I, never been one to run from a pitch in my life, Mitch. I'm not great with gifts, okay? Right, yeah. Okay, it's on its way. Oh, okay. Interesting. 
Wow. So I picked this one myself. Most often when we do Andy's pitches, they are listener submissions. I picked this one myself, which also explains the haphazard uh, editing job. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not that bad. Like, I've done worse ones where I've just kind of smudged out titles. Yeah, um, it was, so it was a little bit on the hop, but here we are. Um, but yeah, see what you see. Yeah, and far be it from me to break with tradition, so I'm going to start by saying uh, the border is cream. Yeah, uh, cream to off-white kind of thing, I would say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice creamy colour. There's a segment at the bottom here where I can only assume that text used to live, and that is now bright orange. That is a bright orange cuboid. Mm-hmm. Above that, we have an extremely trippy backdrop, um, perhaps dating the film to an extent. That appears <laughs> to be pinks and oranges. Uh, along the bottom of the image there, in the middle of the image as a whole, we have a naked lady... Uh, no, she's not, in fact, naked. Apologies. Uh, she is wearing a nightdress. She is clutching a skull in her right hand. She is lying down, flanked by candles. We have a woman just behind her head holding two mm-hmm. large balls. Yes, so she is. Yeah, yeah. Can we observe? On the right hand side of the image, we have another woman. She is wearing uh, some kind of leather headband. And again, holding a skull in both of her hands. We have a lady with very shiny hair. She's looking down. We have a man with a dagger or a letter opener. And he is looking pensive. And like I say, this image is flipped, so it appears that he is in the image twice. Um, Above this, we have a man in a robe. Um, Sure do. He has a dagger held in both hands and he has kind of long hair he has a headband with a pentagram upon it yep and he's kind of looking straight down the barrel of the lens right at the 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 viewer or in this case me yes certainly uh-huh. um so man in a robe uh, with a pentagram hat holds dagger pointing down as another man beneath him gazes pensively alongside a woman and really what they're all doing is kind of overseeing the tableau of this lady lying down and there's also a lady holding two balls yes yeah happy enough for that i think that you've hit on absolutely everything that was very comprehensive well done that was too much and it'll all come out in the edit (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh you get a minute so it's only fair that i should also have of course it's all yours So I feel that I've had my kind of fill of low-hanging fruit this week, so I'm not really going to make mention of the woman holding the balls at all, because it feels feels too obvious. It's very grown-up of you, I respect that. (laughs) The pitch isn't particularly grown-up. Okay, that's fine. That's okay, Um, that's okay. But yeah, yeah, I've, I've got to tell you, I've got no idea what this is. Cool, okay. I mean, obviously I didn't either when I found it, but I kind of always assume that you probably will, so I'm kind of quite pleased by that. No, I, I've, it's not even ringing a bell, to be honest. But uh, okay. I think I've almost got something here that I'm fairly happy with. All right. A couple of extrapolations in here. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. I, I, I mean, like, yeah, I'm prone to the odd one of those as well, so I'll let that slide. Yeah, let's see if you can figure out where they are. The year is 1997. And everything looks rosy for young Billy. Top of his class, a hit with the ladies, and looking ahead to a bright future. Billy seems to have it all. However, 
When a freak accident causes the death of his parents, Billy's life view is rocked when he finds adoption paperwork among his parents' belongings and learns of his true parentage. Billy is the Antichrist. His father, Lucifer himself, now seeking acceptance and keen to reconnect with his pops, Billy invokes ancient summoning rituals and performs sacrifices of his virginal classmates in an attempt to reconnect with his evil progenitor. However, with twin demon hunters played by Benicio Del Toro and Josh Brolin hot in his heels, can Billy successfully open the gates of hell and take his rightful place at his father's side before they can stop him? With an original soundtrack by Beck. See the film that little <laughs> Nicky wishes it was. It's Anna Biller's Billy Zebub, son of the son of the morning. <laughs> very nice. Very nice indeed. I like that. And what year are you putting on that? Uh, we'll, go, we'll go just a couple of years before little Nicky. So we'll go 99. Okay, I can tell you, Andy, you are a mere 28 years out. <laughs> <laughs> We are heading back to 1971. Oh, uh, I thought it was a game. film from the future. Yeah, from uh, from uh, for Simon, King of the Witches. Wow, okay. Yeah, I know. So synopsis then. I, I've got to be honest, I'm very excited about the synopsis for this because already I think it's a better film than mine, which I was sitting here thinking, I might write that. Well, I mean, like, you know, the sky's the limit. I would say go for it. But the synopsis for this film from IMDb comes from Volker Bohem. Ah! Simon, a young man with magic powers, invokes the help of the evil forces in order to take revenge on a man who cheated him with a bad check. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, is that it all? Is that the entire synopsis? That's the entire synopsis, yeah. Wow, what a ruthless, vindictive bastard. I've got to say, I expected the stakes to be higher. Yeah, 100%. Like... Oh my god! When you see the poster, you didn't think that it would be like, a, like, a, like, oh, it's transactional. Yeah, there's no way I thought that, that this per- this man's actions. He, he appears to be sacrificing at least one woman. <laughs> it's strange to me that that would be required to get revenge on someone purely for passing a bad check. I mean, there's got to be small claims court or other methods. Yeah, I know you'd think so, wouldn't you? But however, there you go. That's Simon King of the Witches, and that's oh. in 1971. Needless to say, I haven't seen it. I'm 100% hunting that down. That sounds fucking amazing. So, onwards then, I guess, to the streaming platforms for this week. Please tell me Simon King of the Witches is streaming somewhere. <laughs> it's, it's, it's coming to Netflix, Shudder, and Prime. No, um, uh, on Sky Cinema on Thursday, one that we both spoke about last week, actually, Spontaneous. Oh, yeah, amazing. Brilliant. Get it watched. Yep, this is great from Brian Duffield from 2020. Mara's school classmates keep exploding and thinking she might be next in line for the same fate forces her to live every moment as though it were her last. By the way, there's nothing on Amazon Prime. Netflix, Wednesday the 17th, we've got a limited series behind her eyes. Oh. A single mother enters a world of twisted mind games when she begins an affair with her psychiatrist boss while secretly befriending his mysterious wife, Jesus Christ. Smokey. Jesus. Um, also The Meg. Oh, right, okay. Hooray. A washed-out rescue diver is pulled back in for one more job to save his friends from a monstrous megalodon, long thought extinct. Mm-hmm, that's pretty much it. Yep, that's pretty much it of it. Um, so that's your lot for Netflix this week. Shudder, though, Monday 15th, we've got Outcast from Colm McCarthy. Now, obviously, he directed The Girl with All the Gifts in 2016. Mm-hmm. This was a few years before that. Mm-hmm. Tells the tale of Petronella, a Scottish Romany girl, and Fergal, her mysterious Irish traveller boyfriend. Right, Okay. As their doomed relationship plays out, a beast stalks the estate, killing locals working its way towards our protagonists. Right. 
Now, Shudder, of course, on a hot streak of uh, kind of Shudder-exclusive premieres uh, for the next little while. This week's no exception. Thursday the 18th, they've got Shook. When Mia, a social media star, becomes the target of an online terror campaign, she has to pass a series of tests to prevent people she cares from from getting murdered. But is it real or just a game at her expense? So that's Shook. That's on Shudder this week. That is your lot for the streaming platforms this week. Pick of the week, pretty confidently spontaneous. Yeah, happy with that. So turn our attentions to this week's show then, and we are kind of being forced to play the Andy versus Mitch card slightly early this month. Yeah, that, but that's it. We can't do it again. Yep, yeah, I can't do it for a minimum of two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but I will try and get a longer streak together than that. But no, we have had a last minute cancellation. So we are doing Andy versus Mitch a little bit early this month, and it is my turn. Yeah, yeah, I did body melt just three weeks ago. Yeah, so I'm going to try and do something that's a little bit more palatable to everyone than that. Right, okay. Um, It's a recent new arrival on Netflix, but it's not a new film. What year are we looking at? 2006. Okay. okay. So I am taking us back to 2006 for David R. Ellis's Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> oh, you wily old fox. <laughs> You know what? I thought, you know, it's been a difficult start to the year for a lot of people, especially me. I had to do an episode on Body Belt. It's like, what would be fun? It's like, what, you know what would be fun? Talking at length about Samuel L. Jackson getting all those motherfucking snakes off that motherfucking plane. Do you know, I'm quite excited about this, actually. I think that this is one of your choices, very few of your choices, but I've been like, I am excited. I'm very pleased to hear this. I haven't watched this for a really long time. I'm pretty sure that I own it on DVD. Like, I think that it's in my parents' house somewhere, mm. but I haven't seen it in mm-hmm. absolutely years. And when it landed on Netflix a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, hard on. I do actually have a bank of uh, selections. I guess they'll now take me up to about June, I would say. But, like, um... That's not a bank. That's only, like, that's only like a couple of films. Yeah, but it's four months' worth. It takes, me, it takes us up to the midpoint in the year. So I'm happy enough with that. But either way, this week, it's Andy versus Mitch. It's Snakes on a Plane. Wow, it actually takes you slightly further than that, I believe, because I'll be in there with my own choices to ruin your, your week. Yeah, and you, you know what? Who knows as well? We, we, we might throw in a couple of surprises that might break the schedule up a little bit. We'll just have to wait and see. So if you want to get in touch with this and let us know what you think about this, I'm kind of hoping that people will be excited about this. I think this will be a fun one. There's loads of ways you can get in touch. Facebook mm. and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us at Strong Violent PC. You can email scenes at gmail.com. And you can join the flourishing community that is our Facebook group, The Chud Locker. Yeah, and if there's any ophidiophobes out there, please tread carefully with snakes on a plane because the title alone should be causing some anxiety. Yes, they are everywhere. Andy, we have a Patreon. Tell the people. We do, we do. Patreon.com forward slash strong language violence scenes, Mitch. Bunch of stuff on there. We just put out an episode this week. We'll be putting out something this week again. And you know what? Have a look. You don't need to give us any money. You just need to have a wee look. You don't even need to have a look. There's no no obligation. <laughs> You're scaling back people's people's obligations by the second here. And of course, we'll be saying thanks to another patron at the end of this episode. We sure will. We are back on Friday. It's Andy versus Mitch, and we're talking snakes on a plane. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chads. Goodbye. Bye. Hey guys, just popping back on to say thanks to a new patron this week, Mark Smith. Thank you so much. You're a hero. You're a a god in man's skin. Absolutely. Mark, thanks so much. And Alexei, if anybody else wants to check it out and see if there's anything in there, it's patreon.com slash stronglanguagefiolentscenes. See you later. No obligation, though. Bye.
You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 